0: Welcome to this week's episode of Making Sense of It All. As always, I'm your host, Jesse Stakes, and this week we're diving into fundraising and capital acquisition for faith-based organizations with Russ Pretty. He's the founder of Ascend Stewardship and Consulting. There's many paths that we take as people in this world, and many times the path that we travel is a more enjoyable walk when we're serving a purpose that's higher than ourselves. Enjoy my conversation with Russ as we talk about his journey and why he chose to do what he does. Let's jump into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Making Sense of It All. Today, my guest is Russ Pretty from Ascend Stewardship and Consulting. Russ, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Jesse. We're glad to be here. Glad to be with you. So, Russ, tell my audience a little bit about what Ascend Stewardship and Consulting does.
1: Ascend Stewardship and Consulting is a church financial consulting firm. We help churches with uh, Financial things like capital fundraising, like arranging financing, like doing next step consulting for construction projects or renovation projects. If it has to do with uh, financial affairs, uh, we're we're a, we're able to to help churches to navigate through that.
0: It's really wonderful. I, I don't think that people out there realize the need and the demand for your services. Um, just because I believe it's just like anything, if you're not involved in it, if you're not in the middle of it, you don't realize it's going on. What inspired you to get involved in church consulting and in in the financial side of this? How did you get into it?
1: Well, first of all, when I was growing up, I was always interested in business. Okay, I, I grew up in, in, in West Virginia and was a paper boy. I had a paper route, road lawns and and did all those kinds of things and so i always wanted to uh to be a business person and uh so i went on to uh marshall university which is in huntington west virginia got a degree in in marketing got married while i was at marshall um this was during the draft time and so my draft number came up number four on the lottery and so it became apparent to my wife and i that i was going to have to spend some time in the military And so I went ahead and volunteered for the Marine Corps, spent two years in the Marine Corps, came out, had GI Bill benefits, and so I finished up at Marshall uh, with a degree in marketing, went on to West Virginia University, got my MBA in finance, and started my own financial services business, uh, doing insurance and retirement programs, got into real estate, then got into some residential construction, so At age 33, God had the audacity to call me in the ministry, so my wife and I ended up selling what we had, taking our then three sons to Kansas City, Missouri, where I uh, enrolled at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, got a Master of Divinity degree, pastored a small church in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri. When I graduated, I got called to a church in a transitioning area of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh pastored a church there for nine years, took it from 80 to over 1,000 worship, but we were an African-American church, okay, which was uh, highly unusual for a Caucasian pastor to be building an African-American church. But I got named to the executive committee of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention, then became chairman of the finance committee. While we were there uh, pastoring that church, We had to do a capital fundraising campaign. I really couldn't find a capital fundraising company out there to really fit our church culture. So I wrote my own capital campaign and we we executed that. It was highly successful. Then we had to put together a financing program to uh, expand the church. We actually ended up doing a combination bank loan private bond offering to purchase a large Jewish synagogue in Northwest Baltimore. And then I started getting calls from churches all over the country saying, how did you do that? Can you help us? And so it was sort of a serendipitous kind of movement from, from pastoring into church consulting. So That's I've been amazing. doing it now for some seven years.
0: That's very cool. So it's, it seems like it's always it always seems like a lot of businesses start that way. It's kind of, what is that old saying, out of necessity is born invention? <laughs> That's correct. That's exactly <clears throat> right. Uh, so church, we kind of, you kind of got and, the opportunity. You kind of got the opportunity to take some of your your passion that you had from when you were a kid, and what you ended up going to going to school for, and and what you felt like was your calling in life, and really marry those two things together.
1: Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. And most most pastors, uh, as you probably well know, in in dealing with churches on your own, most pastors aren't business savvy.
0: Sure, and, it's, uh, not, so it's not. not what they That's to, not their passion, typically.
1: That's not their training, so so I've been able to come alongside pastors and churches and help them understand from a from a financial point of view that yes a church is 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 a spiritual organization, but it's also a a business organization, a financial organization and in order to to get bank loans in order to raise money, there are certain business principles that have to be applied, and so we've been able to come alongside churches and help them understand that uh, even though we believe in God and our people of faith, we still have to meet those organizational criteria in order to borrow money and do things
0: no doubt well, and you have or a church has a responsibility to its congregation to do things that are financially responsible as well so it's you know you may not be an expert in things financial as a as a business or excuse me as a pastor, but you are you're you have a responsibility to learn what you don't know when it comes to that, yes.
1: That's correct. That's exactly right. And if you if you don't have the expertise uh, yourself, or if you don't have the expertise within your congregation, you have you you need to have the responsibility to go outside and find someone who can help you navigate through those uh, those
0: obstacles. No doubt. Well, and Ascend has become a family affair. Correct. Your son has joined you and is now running the business from a top of the house perspective. Yes. That's
1: correct. My youngest son, Michael, is our our president, our CEO. He's been with us now for six years. Uh, He's a highly decorated combat Marine. And uh, uh, for the last six years, he's been traveling with me, learning the business, learning what things uh, need to be done, getting uh, the business experience in order to do that. We've also got representatives in Greensboro, North Carolina. We've got a rep there. We've got a representative in in Baltimore, Maryland. And we've also got uh, representation in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So we've actually got five people who pretty much cover Uh, The country for
0: us—that's amazing. That's a that's congratulations, and I want to thank you both for your service.
1: It was our pleasure to serve.
0: So I'd like to dive into this a little bit because I think again I don't think my audience realizes the demand that's out there for for your services and just for for as 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 religious organizations grow, they've got to they've got to finance their growth and they also have to be able to. They have to do they have to be able to raise money in a in a, in a responsible and structured way. Um, right now in 2023, is there a huge demand has it ha, are you seeing a are you seeing growth within the within religious organizations in the like and apologize for this long-winded way of asking this question but but is the demand increasing over the last several years versus what it was previously? We're seeing we're we're busy right now. And that, that surprises a lot of people
1: because folks talk about interest rates having increased and and co- coming out of COVID and, and everything else. But what a lot of people don't understand is that interest rates right now are just about where they were in the late nineties and early two thousands. So interest rates aren't any higher right now than what they've been in the uh, in the past. They're higher than they were a couple of years ago. But uh but uh they're not really that much higher uh, than what they were years ago. So churches that are growing, let's face it, if you're in a church that's growing and you run out of space, you've got two options. You can either stay where you are and have people come and have people leave, or you can finance growth. Most good churches want to finance growth regardless of what it takes in order to get there. So we're, we're busy. There are a lot of growing churches coming out of COVID. And uh there's a lot of churches out there that are needing to raise funds or borrow funds in order to buy land, build new buildings, expand their present buildings, or even renovate the building that they're in
0: well, and I feel like covid covid you know it's just like anything else it had unintended consequences, and one of them for religious organizations was the fact that it kind of it forced them to get online it forced them to offer services remotely to where people could people could attend their church and i've seen it from churches that i've dealt with their congregations have grown as a result of it because now instead of just having say charlotte north carolina or jacksonville florida where they where they you know where they bring people from now it's the united states it's every it's every congregation member that had to move can now attend church again with their with their with the organization that they feel comfortable with with attending church at
1: that's exactly right. We just we're dealing we're, we've got a client in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, since you mentioned Charlotte. We're close to that area. Um, they just baptized a family from Brooklyn, New York who found them online. They, they attend online services every Sunday, but they actually drove from Brooklyn to Charlotte in order to join the church through baptism. The other thing that, that COVID did for churches, is that it, it got the giving transformed to being just putting a check in the offering place. You couldn't do that if you weren't having services to online giving. And that has really helped churches financially because people, people just hit the app now and give. And so you can collect as much money on a Wednesday or a Thursday as you can on a Sunday morning because of that, that different way of giving. So churches who have switched to online giving have really prospered uh, through this COVID mess.
0: Well, and, and you know, not to not to get cynical here, but it's also it's the same thing as as the gym membership that you have kind of operating in the background. When 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 ten bucks or twenty bucks is going out of your checking account every month or every week, you don't think about it nearly as much as having to reach in your wallet and pull out a twenty dollar bill.
1: That's correct. That's exactly right. And you can give when comfortable to give when you're giving online. Used to be you could only give on Sunday when you're in church. But now if you if you get paid on a Tuesday, you can go ahead and make that contribution online. And uh it's it's really helped churches as far as loving out their, their finances is
0: concerned. Do you think that it's also thinned out some of the pretenders, if you would? Like some of the churches that that maybe they didn't have the they might have had a small following locally, but but now that people have the option of attending attending services online or attending services in person. Um, Some of the people that maybe aren't running their church so efficiently or effectively, those guys have kind of gone by the wayside.
1: I think that's one of the things that's interesting about COVID in that you had a lot of of churches that have failed because of COVID. And you're you're correct about that. Some smaller churches who were struggling financially uh, to make it, when COVID came along, they didn't make it. And believe it or not, there's a lot of church properties out there that, that are for sale which new churches who are starting up are purchasing a lot of denominations or restarting churches. And so there's a reset. There's a there's a pretty great reset taking place uh, among a lot of churches. But yes, there, there were a lot of churches who were forced out of being churches during the uh, COVID epidemic because they just couldn't survive financially.
0: No doubt. Do you have a favorite story or a favorite success story that you guys have been a part of um, that you'd like to tell the audience? Well, there's
1: there's there's actually a couple, but one is that that, that really encapsulates uh, our entire service was a couple of years, several years ago, we began working with a, with a Baptist church in Washington D.C. that was wanting to relocate, and so we, we had an initial meeting with the pastor and went through the process, and we helped him understand that that uh, you just can't go out and build a multi-million dollar building without doing some planning and he didn't have the financial resources in order to do it. So the first step was to get into a capital fundraising campaign to raise money over and above the regular giving and the low money toward the new building that they were going to be building. So we helped them execute a very successful capital fundraising campaign. And then we had to begin search for, uh, for land to build on. In Washington, D.C., that, uh, that wasn't easy. So we hooked up with I'm some sure. commercial realtors. Over a period of several months, we were able to locate a property that they were able to purchase, so uh, we, we got involved in, in uh, helping them to purchase that property through uh, through financing the property. Then we had to get into the process of selecting a builder, and there's different types of builders. As you well know, there's design build, which are companies that have pretty much their own buildings uh, that they can build. or there's architects and contractors, and so we had to help them select the process that they were going to, uh, to use in order to build their building. So uh, we worked through that in selection of the of construction company, and then we got into the financing of the, uh, of the actual building itself. All in all, it took five years from beginning to end, but the final result was we had a building dedication. But we went through capital fundraising. We went through the consulting process to hire a contractor. We got into the process of financing a new building uh, and making sure that it's something they can afford. Because most churches want to build a $10 million church, and they can only afford a $5 million church. Or they want to build a $1 million dollar church, and can only build a $500,000 church. You have to help them understand what they can afford to, uh, to do. So uh, we use the entire process of what we do in order to help that church accomplish their building dedication.
0: Well, and I got to imagine in today's world, I, I'm not exactly sure when that when that process happened, but in today's world, building costs have been going up exponentially over the last several years as well. So I've seen where people plan on doing something for a million dollars and then they end up at the end of it, they they get something completely different because they can't really afford what what used to look like what a million dollars used to look like and what a million dollars looks like today are something is something totally different.
1: Yeah. It's not only that building as building costs have gone up, you, you, you can build less building for the buck. And yes. so you've got to be aware of that, but also as interest rates have gone up, you can, you borrow less principal because you've got to ba- pay more interest.
0: And Need so
1: it's balancing that from, uh, from both sides. That uh that has helped a lot of churches. We're working on a five and a half million dollar project in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's taken us three and a half years to get there. And then when when building when interest rates started going up, we had to adjust the building several times. Yes. We finally got our letters and tenth. We're now ready to break ground and, and do the things that we need to do. But uh it's it's been COVID and then it was it's rising interest rates and then the supply costs going up, so they've uh, they've they fought the war.
0: Yeah, taking fire from all sides. <laughs> That's correct. Are there are there certain denominations that you guys work with? Are are you guys open to working with all denominations?
1: Yeah, you know, we're open to working with all denominations. I grew up Southern Baptist, okay, and and kind of filtered everything through a Southern Baptist lens. And then my late thirties, I came to understand that Jesus is not a Southern Baptist, and that was an epiphany for me. So uh, so I've, we, we started working with, uh, with all different kinds of churches. Right now, we're working with a lot of African-American churches. We're actually financial partners with the Baptist General Convention of Virginia, okay. uh, which, is, uh, which is a large black uh, African-American denomination. We work with a lot of uh, Kojic churches, Church of God in Christ. We work with a lot of Southern Baptist churches. We work with a lot of uh, Church of God Cleveland, Tennessee. We work with all different kinds
0: of denominations. Very good. Um, and then I guess the, the only the other question that I had for you is that short term and long term, as far as the future of. of re- I don't want to say the future of religion, because I think that's, you know, that's such a huge tent to to talk about. But but as yeah. far as just where you see things going, you know, we we've we did we've talked about COVID. We kind of talked about that effect, but we're on the other side of it now. Do you th- do you see things going back towards an in-person experience or is it is it a hybrid is it something is it something that looks different now because of what has happened in the last few years and it's never really going to look exactly the same because because you know the, because things have changed and because it's 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 now it's it's now something different I think I, according
1: to a lot of churches that we've talked with since uh, this year uh, had Easter service, there was a, there was there's a change over in the in-person attendance. Younger people are beginning to come back to church, whereas older people are attending more online. okay? And so I think as the population ages, it's going to be important for churches to really refine what they're doing online and develop ministries to people who are online but also also maintain those personal ministries for people who are attending, a lot of young people attending, a lot of young couples with children. Uh, so I think it's I, it used to be if you went into church 15 years ago and it was a typical Baptist church or Methodist church or Presbyterian church, you probably had more than half of the congregation who were over 50 and less of the congregation that was under 35. Right? I think now in a lot of modern churches now, you're seeing a lot of the in-person congregation under, under 50, but they're, they're, they're servicing a significant number of people online, uh, and those are mostly your older people, especially your elderly people. So I think churches are being forced to develop pretty much a cradle-to-grave ministry, to put it uh, frankly, to, to minister to people from from their childhood right on into adulthood right on into their later years and then uh, to their shut-in years uh, and and their developing. I think that was that was the, that was the
0: original that. intent, correct?
1: That's the that was the original intent. That is absolutely
0: correct. <laughs> Russ, I really appreciate you joining me today. If my audience or if anybody would like to learn more about Ascend or if they would like to get in touch with you and actually work with you guys, where can they find you? we
1: have got a great website. It's Ascend Stewardship and Consulting. They can go there. Uh, there's a form on, on, on the website that they can fill out. There's a lot of good resource information on the website. I've written several articles for national uh, publications on capital fundraising, on church financing. But visit the website. That's a good first start A Sand Stewardship and Consulting, and uh, you can get in touch with us from there.
0: Well, again, thanks for
1: joining me. Justin, well, Jesse, we appreciate you, and we appreciate the churches that you've helped us on. So uh, we we'll look forward to talking with you again.
0: My pleasure. You know, I think it's wonderful when people marry up what they're passionate about in life and their professional expertise. There's a lot of people that have passions, but typically their work facilitates their ability to pursue those passions outside of their normal work life. Some of us are lucky enough or driven enough to find ways to earn a living doing things that truly inspire us, and they truly want to do more just because they love it. I guess it's that old adage, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, I can't speak for Russ Pretty but I do know that he's incredibly passionate about what he does, and he's helped a number of folks along the way. Thanks for joining the show, Russ. That's going to wrap us up for this week. I'll catch you guys next time.